Well, if you have your Bibles, open to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, Philippians 4.10, and uh, while you're turning over there, or you can go to the Version Bible app and, and follow along on there. Um, you know, we are quickly, not really in quickly, we are in holiday season, right? We are approaching the holidays, and we are just a few weeks away from Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays. And uh, this time of year, we often kind of take inventory of things we're thankful for, right? Like we will we'll stop and reflect on, man, I'm really thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for uh, the opportunities I have. I'm, I'm thankful for various things. And we reflect on those things. And one of the ways that we reflect on these things are we write out thank you notes. Right? Like we write out thank you notes. We'll, we'll send a card or a note to, to somebody and, and tell them we're thankful for them. We're thankful for what they do. We're thankful for uh, the, things that they are, the things that they do for us, the, the, how important they are to us. And so we send out thank you notes and encouraging notes. And when I think of thank you notes, I think of The Tonight Show. I think of Jay, or not, I almost said Jay Leno. That's how, wow. Man, that, I used to watch Jay Leno too, so there you go. But no, I think of Jimmy Fallon. I think of Jimmy Fallon. And if you know what I'm talking about with Jimmy Fallon, you, when I say thank you notes, you may know what I mean. If you don't, I have a video I want to show you of uh, Jimmy Fallon writing some thank you notes. Go ahead, Larry. Thank you, that one relative who always brings a weird dish to Thanksgiving. Great, now I get to enjoy the classic combo of turkey, stuffing, and seafood jambalaya. No, no one else brought this. Don't set it there. Put it in the center of the table. <laughs> Thank you. Folding chairs that have to be added to the table at Thanksgiving. It's really making it clear who the B-list family members are. Don't... Oh, 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 oh. Cousin Lou, we're hiring. Not the... No, no, no. Yeah, that's for Uncle Jerry. Yeah, no. Sure, you want water? Sure, you can drink out of the hose in the back. We got a... You can eat upstairs. <laughs> Take your jambalaya with you. <laughs> Thank you, Stuffing, for being wet bread with an amazing PR team. <laughs> we're not wet bread, we're oh, Stuffing. Everyone thinks it's ever here. Thank you, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade Balloons. For looking how we're all going to feel later that day. <laughs> Thank you, cranberry sauce, for looking like a can, but tasting also weirdly like a can. It's jiggling. It's kind of a sauce. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. your sauce. Yeah, okay. Cranberry sauce, not cranberry jello. More like a jello. Yeah. Why do you keep, you look exactly like the can. Get out of there. <laughs> Thank you, post Thanksgiving dinner, for being the one time it's socially acceptable to unbuckle your pants in front of relatives. 
Thank you, Black Friday sales, for being the perfect way to get some holiday shopping done for anyone who hasn't heard of the Internet. If you go at 6 in the morning, you can go... Yeah, you can get there and you get a good You get a 64-inch uh, TV? Yeah. <laughs> you ever gone to a Black Friday sale? <laughs> yeah. What about Cyber Monday? <laughs> Cyber Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you, Turkey Trot 5K Run, or as I've always called it, a great idea for next year. There you have it. Those are my thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That uh, we think of all the things that we're thankful for. And to me, there's nothing more to be thankful for. There, there's no one to be more thankful for than our Heavenly Father. Right? Like, we should be thankful for our Heavenly Father who created us in His image, put us where we are, created everything around us. And we're thankful to a Heavenly Father who loves us so much that He would send His Son for us. And He is a Heavenly Father who blesses us, who provides for us, who gives us the things that we need. And, and so we have reason to be thankful, but for so many people this holiday season, it doesn't bring about thankfulness. You know, for so many people, there's uh, not from a lack of trying, it's just, uh, I, don't, I don't feel very thankful. I don't feel very thankful. Maybe life is difficult right now. Maybe you're going through something that's tough and you're thinking, I, it, it's just hard to be thankful. I want to be thankful. I want to be joyful and glad in the Lord and what he has done for me, but I'm just not feeling very thankful. And so, what can we do? What can we do when we don't feel very thankful? What can we do when we are trying to send out these thank you notes to God, when we're trying to say, God, I'm thankful for this and this and this and this and the way that you do this and this and this in my life? What can we do to be more thankful? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul gives us a letter, really in the book of Philippians, he gives us a letter of, of thanksgiving. A letter of thanksgiving. And in Philippians chapter 4 especially, he, he gives us a thing that we can do to be more thankful. And then he gives us a thing that we can do that can, after we, we realize what God has done for us, then it, this should ex come from it. And so uh, he's going to give us a couple of lessons, Paul is, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, that we can use each and every day to remember to be more thankful. And so we're going to start in Philippians uh, 4, 10 through 13. And here's the first lesson that we need to learn from Philippians 4, and it's this. We need to be content. We need to be content. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, it says this. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And Paul is thankful for the church at Philippi. They were an important church in his ministry. Uh, they supported him in various ways, and he was thankful uh, for this church at Philippi. And he says he rejoices greatly in the Lord that you're renewed concern for me. 
They wanted to bless him. They wanted to take care of him. And up to this point, they hadn't really had an opportunity. And we're going to see uh, as we go on, they did have an opportunity uh, to provide for him financially. But he was just thankful for them. He was thankful for their ministry to him in the way that not just supporting him financially, they supported him in ministry. They supported him by sharing the gospel. They uh, even uh, suffered the same way that he was suffering. He was thankful for them. A matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, listen to how he starts his letter. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. They had partnered with him from the very beginning. On the first day that he met them from, uh, to this point, they were partnering with him for the sake of the gospel. And I think of this, and I, I think of, you know, Denise saying, I'd, I'd love to pray for the ministries here, and I am thankful to serve in a place where so many people want to reach the world for Jesus. That is an awesome thing, that we can come together, we can uh, share the gospel, that we can uh, minister to people who are in need, and I'm thankful that we share together in uh, making the gospel known. And Paul is thankful and then he continues on in verses 11 and 12. And he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So he tells the church of Philippi, Here, here's the thing, I'm not telling you all of this because I'm saying, hey, I need more uh, financial support. No, I'm, I'm telling you this because I have learned to be content. Look at that, those words there, learn to be content. That first word, notice that word learned. I've learned to be content. That means it's not something that is an automatic response in our brain. We are not hardwired to automatically be content. You don't wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm content from now on. No, it's a learned thing because if, you're, if we're completely honest, the world has put it into our brain, right, to be discontent. We're not happy until we have more and more and more. We're not happy with what we have until we have the next thing or the next thing. And we've had this, you know, sinful nature that tells us, no, you're never going to be content. And so it's a learned thing. And Paul has learned to be content what does that word content mean? Well, in the, word, or in the Greek, the word content means self-sufficient. And the Stoics used it as this idea to say, uh, I don't need any help. I, I rely on myself. Uh, whatever happens, it's all on me. I don't need any help. And Paul's not using it in that case here. No, Paul realizes that whatever sufficiency he has in life is divine sufficiency. It has nothing to do with relying on himself. And the reason we know this is, one, he's thankful for their gifts, and two, he'll tell us here just a little bit where he gets the power to be content. But he is content. And he goes on to tell us the circumstances for when he says whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret in any and every situation, whether hungry, 
uh, whether living in plenty, whether being fed, whether not having anything. He has learned to be content in all circumstances. And here's the thing. There were times in his life where, yes, Paul was well-fed, and there was times in his life where Paul had everything he needed, but there was also times in his life where he went hungry, and there were times in Paul's life where he was going through difficult situations. 2 Corinthians 11:27 reminds us, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Paul has gone through tough situations, and yet he says no matter what the situation in life I am in, I've learned to be content. Now, if you looked up the word content in the dictionary, you'd probably find various terms for what the word content means, but one definition I read that I really liked says that to be content is the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are to be emotionally or mentally satisfied with things as they are. And Paul was emotionally, mentally satisfied with the things as they were. And, you know, we look at that and we say, Paul, you're crazy. Look at all the things that you've gone through. Look at your difficult situations and you're content in these things. And Paul's like, yeah, I am. I'm content in all circumstances. And that should be our desire, to be content to be content no matter what our situation is in life, no matter what we have, whether we have a lot or we have little, whether we are well-fed or not, we be content with whatever our circumstances are. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6-11, through 11, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We are called to be content, and it's hard, isn't it, to be content? Because the world, like I said, teaches us that we should, or we're always going to be discontent. You're not content until you have everything that you've ever wanted, until you've met all of your desires, you'll never be content. You should keep striving to get everything you want. And the problem with that is it tells God, or we're telling God, hey, what you've blessed me with just isn't enough. What you've blessed me with just isn't enough. I want more. I want more. I want more. I'm going to pursue more. And it's hard to be content when, you know, we live in a, a world where it's shoved down our throat. Hey, do you have the new this? Do you have the new this? Oh, it's time to upgrade. Time to get this, time to get this, time to get this. And you see, a lot of times when we think of contentment, we often think of just material things, right? We think of material goods, but contentment goes even further than that. And you may have a good job that you're able to take care of your family and you're able to spend time with your family. Oh, but you should never be content with that. You have to be at the very top. You should climb the ladder until you're in charge of everything and you have all the money and you have all the power. That is when you should be content. 
And you see, my goal this morning isn't tell you, or to tell you you can't have things or, or to tell you that you shouldn't have a nice job. Sometimes God will open a door for you to something better than you're in right now. But our problem is we are so consumed with wanting more and more and more and more that we become discontent. Uh, Owen Feltham once said it like this. He said, discontent is like ink poured into water, which fills the whole fountain full of blackness. It casts a cloud over the mind and renders it more occupied about the evil which disquiets than about the means of removing it. We become so filled in our mind with discontent that it clouds us and all we want is more and more and more. And notice here, Paul is talking about I'm content no matter what I have and also no matter the circumstance. No matter the circumstance. Do you ever think about that? Here's the, here's the truth. We live in a day and age where it's called human life, where bad times are going to come. I don't know if you know, know this or not, but eventually hard times will come. Each and every one of us in this room will experience trials. Each and every one of us in this room will experience difficult times. Each and every one of us will go through hardships. Have you ever thought about being content in the middle of those? No. We don't often think of being content in the middle of these things. And yet Paul is saying, in every situation, I've learned to be content. And I bet if you asked Paul, he would say, you know, there's probably some things that I would have liked to have happened differently. But even in the midst of those things, man, I have this inner peace. I have this inner joy. And we can be the same way. We can be content no matter what the situation, knowing whatever happens it's not under my control, but under his. And so how do we do this? How do we be more content? Well, Paul tells us, I have learned the secret of being content. This phrase, learn the secret in Greek, it means to initiate into. To initiate into, uh, or further, they would use it to say, to initiate into the secret. Well, here's the thing. Paul isn't going to keep it secret. Paul's not going to be like, I've learned the secret to contentment, but I can't tell anybody. No, he's going to tell us. He has no problem telling us what his secret is. And he tells us in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all of this. I can be content because my strength comes through him. My contentment comes through him. It's not a self-sufficient, as the word means in Greek. It's not self-sufficient. It's divine sufficiency. We can only do things, we can only be content when we are content with him. When we are content with him. When he is enough. When he is enough for us. Whatever situation we're in, if he is enough for us, whatever he blesses us with, we should be content with because he is enough. And that was Paul's strength. My reason for being so content was because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He is our strength. If you want to be content, it starts with resting on him for, or in his power to be content. And here's the thing. All things are possible with God. He can give us the strength. He can give us the power we need to be content because with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Job 42, 2, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You see, Paul learned to be content. And here's the thing about the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, a letter to the church at Philippi, this is written while Paul is sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison, and he's handcuffed to guards. Uh, often they would have a guard come and switch out every so often. And so he was handcuffed to a guard while he's writing this letter, telling them to be content no matter the circumstance. And here's the thing. If we learn to be content, think about what God can do through us when we learn to be content with how he's blessed us, when we can be content with him, with, when he is enough. I'm going to read what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Keep in mind, I'm content in all circumstances. Think in mind, he is in a prison cell attached to guards. Listen to what he says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He's handcuffed to guards, and because of this, he's like, guess what? Every single guard that gets handcuffed to me is going to know that I am in chains because of Jesus Christ. Everyone who comes around here is going to know that I am in here because of Jesus Christ. He was content with Jesus. He was content whatever the circumstances because he knew that God was going to take care of him. And in the middle of this, in the most difficult trials he's going through, he is content and he uses the opportunity to make sure everyone who is around him is going to know what he believes. We can be content in all things, in all circumstances, in all of these things, if we rely on him. If we rely on him because we can do all things through him who gives us strength. We can be content because he gives us strength. So we need to learn to be content. If we learn to be content, it helps us to become more thankful when we think about what has God done for us? What has God blessed us with? I'm going to be content and I'm going to be thankful for what he has done. But he continues on into verses 15 through 19. And this is where our second lesson comes in. And it's this. If we need to be more content, the second one is this. We need to be generous. We need to be generous. When we learn to be content, when we learn to say, God, whatever the circumstances, you are enough. Whatever you've blessed me with, you are enough. It enables us to say, hey, guess what? Now I want to be generous to others. I want to be generous to others because he has been generous to me. This is what it says in verses 14 through 16. It says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So Paul is thankful to them for their financial gift. He's thankful for what they've given to him. They're thankful, or he's thankful for their support. And he says that when I left Macedonia, Philippi is in Macedonia, when he leaves Macedonia to continue on his missionary travels, they were one of the only church, they were the only church that supported him financially. Matter of fact, he says that when he was in Thessalonica, they sent him aid more than once 
when he was in need. And it's interesting because he writes something about this similar in uh, the letters to uh, Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians verse two, or chapter 2, verse 9, he writes, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardships. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 8, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. How was Paul able to do what he did in uh, Thessalonica? Well, one, he had a job that he was able to support himself with. But two, the other reason he was able to not have to take anything from the people there was because of the gift that they had given to him, uh, the gift that was given to him from the church at Philippi. He was supported by them. They supported him financially in order to do the ministry that he did. You know, something that I often encourage people to do when you're thinking about how can I give, how can I uh, give to others, I always tell people, consider giving to other ministries. Now, I also tell people, be very careful what ministries you give to. Be careful that you do your research on the ministries you give to. You don't want to give to a ministry that in turn leads people astray. No, you want to uh, give to a ministry that is rooted in the word, that is rooted in the truth. But we give to those, who are, those ministries who are out there sharing the gospel. And we support Compassion Kids uh, at home. We uh, have a kid that we've supported for years. The church has Compassion Kids. We support the church has various ministries that we support that are out there sharing the gospel. And that is something that we could definitely help with more individually. Are we given to those who are sharing the gospel? missionaries, local missionaries, overseas missionaries, giving to those who are out sharing the gospel. It was because of the gift that uh, Paul received from uh, the church of Philippi that he was able to minister to others. And he continues on in verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul wants him to know, I'm not telling you this because I'm saying send me more money. No, I'm telling you this because I want more to be credited to your accounts. What does this mean? Is this idea, we think of it as like a bank, right? Like you go and you check your bank account and you see that money had been credited to your account. Maybe it's a payday, you have automatic deposit. It's, you look on there and you see that that money has been deposited into your accounts. And what Paul is saying is, I desire that more be credited to your account. Because of your generosity, I want more to be added to your account. When he says this, he's talking spiritually. He's not saying, hey, give to, give to get. There's a problem. If you have that mindset that I'm going to give to get, God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts, and he knows what your attitude is when you give. And if you're given just for the sake of, oh, if I give, I get back. Man, God knows your heart. And so what he's saying here is it's this idea of spiritual blessings. You will receive spiritual blessings. Um, Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 tells us this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 19.17 tells us, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. 
2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We are told to give, and when we give, it puts into our spiritual account these blessings. Of course, we know Jesus said something similar, right? Don't, uh, don't try to store up treasures here on, or, or here on earth. Store up treasures where? Heaven. It's a spiritual thing. And then in verses 18 and 19, Paul continues this thought. And he says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifices, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's telling them this because he's just received a financial gift from him, uh, or from the church of Philippi. He received this financial gift from Epaphroditus, only mentioned twice in, that, in the Bible, and that's in uh, the book of Philippians, Epaphroditus is. And he's thankful for their gifts. He's thankful for their offering. And he says that this is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. This carries an idea of Old Testament imagery, Exodus 29, 18, then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Ezekiel 20, 41, I will accept you as a fragrant incense when I bring you out from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be proved holy through you in the sight of the nations. Man, when we give, it's not just something that's not important. When we give, it says that this is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And you might be thinking, oh, this is the part of the time where a preacher's going to tell us that we need to give more in the offering plate. And trust me, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. It's important that we do give. It's important that we give back to him because he has blessed us. And when we give and we give him our very best, Whatever that is, whatever we have, when we give him our very best, that is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. If God has blessed us, then we should be uh, willing to, to return that back, right? We should be willing to bless others, and that is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And then he says that my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And when we give, he will meet all our needs. Now here's the tricky part. Notice the word here. It says all your needs. He will supply all your needs. That's the key word, needs. Too often our thought is wants. If we do this, he will supply our wants. Then you see the thing is this, our wants and our needs aren't always the same, and our needs are the things that God will supply for us. Our needs, the things that we need, those basic necessities of life that we need, he provides those things. And too often we go into giving with this mindset, oh, if I give, he's going to give me everything I want. And that's not how it works. He said it a few weeks ago, God is not a genie. He's not a cosmic genie who gives you whatever you want, but he is a God who will give you what you need. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He'll bless us with what we need when we give back to him, when we give back to others. And so we need to learn to, one, be content but we also need to learn to be generous. And when we learn to be content, we learn to be generous. 
we can find ourselves more thankful for what God has done for us. In Philippians 4.20, he says this, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul finishes up this section by saying, Guess what? I've learned to be content in all circumstances, no matter what is happening in my life. God is enough for me. His blessings are enough for me. And when things are good and when things are bad, God is good all the time. When I have a lot, when I have little, God is good all the time. No matter what, God is good all the time. I'm content. And then he's thankful for the generosity of the people. And we see this encouragement that he gives for them being generous. And it's a lesson to us to be generous. The Church of Philippi gives us a lesson to be generous. And we are, and people, uh, man, when we are generous, when we're content, and we bring glory to God. And that's what Paul says here, to our, our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God is worthy of all the glory, all of the honor, all of the things because of what he does for us. We can be thankful to God and bring him glory. And why should we be thankful in the first place? I want to close with this. Hebrews 9.12 He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. That is the reason that our God and Father should be given glory forever and ever because of what he has done for us. He has sent his son for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, maybe this morning God has blessed you, and maybe you struggle with this idea of being content. Guess what? We all do. There's not a one of us in this room who hasn't struggled at one point with being content with what God has given, struggling with discontent. And maybe this morning it's something we need to lay down at the feet of God. God, help me to be more content with you. You are the only place that I can find contentment. All the things of this world are going to pass. All these things of this world are eventually going to fade away, but we can be content with you. And when we learn to be content, guess what? We can also learn to be generous and give others what God has given to us to help those who are in need to be a blessing to others and we do all of this because of him our God, our Father who deserves all the glory, all the honor and why does he deserve all this? because of what he's done for us he sent his son to die for us to be this blood sacrifice for us that can bring us eternal redemption maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him Maybe you have a decision to make this morning on your connect cards. You can mark that down. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Or maybe this morning you just really need to go before God and lay all this down at your feet. Help me to be more content. Help me to be more generous. If that's the case, where you're sitting, you can pray. If you need to pray, I'd love to pray with you. And we have an opportunity to be thankful say, God, I'm thankful for all that you've blessed me with. I'm thankful that no matter what I'm going through, no matter the situation, you are good. God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for your love. And God, I want to be more thankful in, my, in how I give. I want to show my thankfulness for you and how I'm generous. These are some things that we can do this week to, to grow more thankful for what he's done. So this morning, if you have a decision to make, if you need to spend some time praying, please do so as we stand and we sing.